At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Civics 101 is supported in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. About a year ago, Hannah we made an episode about the Declaration of Independence. And it had a healthy dose of my enthusiasm for 1776. The Declaration will be a triumph, I tell you, a triumph. And it had different takes from three scholars on what the document was. It had the job of justifying one of the most consequential political decisions ever taken. I refer to the Declaration of Independence as originally written as a secession ordinance. This was as close to a perfect document on human agency that one will ever find. And I love making that episode. I really did. And since then, the Declaration has found its way into many of our episodes. Yes, our exploration of that document feels forever unfinished. And on the cutting room floor of that episode was something our guest Byron Williams said. How the Declaration was exclusionary. But the ideas in it evolved into the words of Abraham Lincoln, James Baldwin, uh, the poet and activist Langston Hughes. As we pass this most recent quarantined 4th of July, I call Byron up to just get a little more on it. I just want to check the time before we start. Do you still have like 30 minutes? I got 31 for you. (laughs) Byron Williams is a professor, theologian, and host of the show The Public Morality. And he has just written The Radical Declaration. It's a book of essays on our paradoxical founding document. So I asked him first how the Declaration had been used to fuel political change. Well, Lincoln, uh, Reconstruction, women's suffrage, civil rights, Jim Crow, Vietnam, <laughs> the current moment. <laughs> we, but see, that, that's the great thing about, about that document. We can just pick a seminal moment and it, it pretty much works. So how do you want to go? I'm Nick Capodice. I'm Hannah McCarthy. And this is Civics 101, the podcast refresher course on the basics of how our democracy works. Today is the first of three revisits to the Declaration of Independence, perhaps our most celebrated founding document. While it has been used, as Byron said, to instigate change throughout our country's history, it is, frankly, a document that's left many people and communities out. By which you mean enslaved Americans, women, people of color, and Native Americans. And, initially, even more than that. It is never stated, but the the unstated part of that declaration was it applied to white male landowners. In our present discourse, oftentimes we hear white male and we leave out landowners. But it was white male landowners. Sort of like, think of it this way, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness 
is this moral agreement and you got to have all three to have them all two-thirds of that proposition won't cut it if you were white and male and not a landowner you were still disenfranchised so as a result you have this document that, pro that proposes uh creating a nation on liberty and equality but because of the unstated white male landowners you had subjective liberty and inequality you disenfranchise all the women all the people of color and depending on depending on the data somewhere between 35 and 50 percent of the white male population so it's a document right there rooted an inconsistency in what I talk about in the book, Paradox. And that paradox in the Declaration was commented on and tested not long after it was signed. Byron points to Prince Whipple of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. He was the uh, slave of William Whipple, who was a signer of the Declaration. And they, and they petitioned the New Hampshire Continental Congress in 1779, to be exact. And a part of it reads, the petition of Nero Brewster and others, natives of Africa, now forcibly detained in slavery, in said state most humbly submit that the God of nature gave them life and freedom upon terms of the most perfect equality with other men. That freedom is an inherent right of the human species not to be surrendered. Does that not sound like they were slightly influenced by, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator? You see right there, the Declaration of Independence is already becoming radicalized, going already going beyond the intended white male landowner to to more people really not included going, wait a minute. <laughs> but you said these things and we are petitioning our freedom based on what you have already committed yourself to. This was a literal petition that went before the New Hampshire House? Yes, before we even had a constitutional right to protest or petition, this was how the people in New Hampshire could interact with their government. What did the New Hampshire Congress do? They tabled it with no legislative action. Whipple himself was not freed for five more years. Movement towards abolition in New Hampshire began in 1783, but Portsmouth merchants participated in the slave trade until 1807. Uh, that was the year the African slave trade was abolished, not the practice of slavery itself. A small number of enslaved people were reported on the census in New Hampshire until 1840. And shortly after that, in 1852, one of the most famous and critical speeches about American independence was delivered. Frederick Douglass's What to the Slave is the Fourth of July. Uh, it's a speech he gave at a commemoration of the Declaration signing. Did you see that recording done by NPR this past 4th of July of his descendants yeah. reading sections from that? What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham. Your boasted liberty and unholy license your national greatness, swelling vanity. Your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless. Frederick Douglass is obviously one of those stories you can't make up. A runaway slave. He runs away, stows away, 
goes to England, becomes educated. I mean, I'm just giving you the really, not even a fifth, either Reader's Digest version, and comes back and becomes one of the most ardent abolitionists to end slavery. At this point, eight, was it 1852, Frederick Douglass sees the irony, the inconsistency of the Declaration of Independence, that it does not extend to everybody, and specifically does not extend, you know, to, to people of African descent. But later on, post-Civil War, Douglas says this, I have said that the Declaration of Independence is the ring bolt to the chain of your nation's destiny. So indeed, I regard it. The principles contained in that instrument are saving principles. Stand by those principles. Be true to them on all occasions and in all places against all foes and at whatever cost. I, I think that's a great lesson for all of us. You know, if we freeze this document in time, you know, I, I, you know I'm an African-American. If I freeze it, if I freeze the document to the intentions of 1776, then the document may not be relevant to me. Given, given, given the history of America. But it's not about anyone's intent. It's what the country committed to. And so you see in Frederick Douglass, he, in the first reading, he points out the hypocrisy. But then later on, he evolves and goes, you know what? This document does work, but it can only work if we work. At the UPS store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Wanted to work. When I learned about Frederick Douglass in school, it was always in the context of the Civil War. But he continued to give lectures across the world well after uh, he helped to build housing for black Americans in Baltimore in the 1890s. And he died in 1895 after returning from a meeting of the National Council of Women in Washington, D.C. So, yes, slavery was abolished in 1865. But responses to the Declaration and the ideals laid out in it 
continued into the 20th century. So then you have Langston Hughes saying, you know, America has never been America to me. I mean, it's a beautiful poem. Are you familiar with Langston Hughes? I know a little. I know that he was a prominent author during the Harlem Renaissance and that he wrote a famous poem called Harlem. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? Or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat? Byron is referencing Hughes's later poem entitled Let America Be America Again. But even in that lament that America has never been America to him and, and acknowledging the hypocrisy, Hughes carves out a, a piece of hope. But I do say clearly America will be America to me. In spite of itself, this thing will happen. And so there is the reality that, that America of America's failed promise, but yet there's still this hope that America will be this thing one day. And then you have one of the great 20th century writers, uh, James Baldwin. James Baldwin was a prolific playwright and novelist and essayist who wrote extensively on the subject of race, but also spoke about it on late night talk shows. There's this great interview that he does on, on Dick Cavett. And I'm paraphrasing it, but, he, but Baldwin basically says, you know, I don't know if, if uh, real estate lobbyists hate black people, but I know where they force me to live. I don't know whether the labor unions and their bosses really hate me. That doesn't matter, but I know I'm not in their unions. I don't know if the, if the Board of Education hates black people, but I know the textbooks they give my children to read and the schools that we have to go to. Now, this is the evidence. You want me to make an act of faith, risking myself, my wife, my woman, my sister, my children, on some idealism which you assure me exists in America, which I have never seen. And, and so at some point, delayed gratification becomes no, becomes non-existent and I don't believe it. And the only challenge to that is that if you follow the Baldwin path to its logical conclusion, you end up nihilistic and apathetic, which is an understandable conclusion. It does not make us a better people. You know, Bob Dylan was, wrote the lyric, when you got nothing, you've got nothing to lose. A democratic republic cannot survive if it has a growing population that feels they have nothing to, they have nothing, so they have nothing to lose. And they sort of checked out. The, the republic cannot survive if that number reaches a certain threshold. And I, and I actually worry today, Nick, that we're, we're getting closer to that threshold. What does Byron think will improve our democratic republic? Byron was very careful to not give prescriptions on how to improve our democratic republic. He specifically said he wrote this book on the Declaration to start a conversation. I think I'm going to end this one on the words of someone else, on James Baldwin. Apathy and nihilism aside, in 1959, he wrote, any honest examination of the national life proves how far we are from the standard of human freedom from which we began, which is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then he says, the recovery of this standard demands of everyone who loves this country a hard look at himself. And if we're not capable of this examination, we may yet become one of the most distinguished and monumental failures in the history of nations.
taking a page out of Byron's book in honor of him being the first Outdoor Civics 101 interview. And I'm recording these credits outside on the hottest day of the year at 12 noon. Today's episode was produced by me, Nick Capodice, with Hannah McCarthy. Our staff includes Jackie Fulton and Felix Poon. Erica Janik is our executive producer and figurative thunder blanket. Music in this episode by Jesse Gallagher, Black Sona, Sarah the Instrumentalist, and that musician who keeps his songs in a brisk key, Chris Zabriskie. And attention, teachers! Uh, we're hiring. Civics 101 is hiring. We're looking for a few educators from across the country to design lesson plans and brainstorm new episodes and materials. Uh, for more information, remuneration, super short application, go to civics101podcast.org slash info. Civics 101 is supported in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and is a production of NHPR, New Hampshire Public Radio. And there you have it, gentlemen. What more evidence do we need? Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 